Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm Darsh, your other co-host. This week, we break down the Samsung Unpacked event, the potential for iMessage on Android, Spotify's retaliation against Apple, and a ton more. Roll the intro. So Jacqueline, did you hear about the Samsung Unpacked event? It happened this morning. I happened to sleep through it, but I did check up on everything that they dropped and they dropped a lot of stuff. What kind of happened today? What are, you, what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. This is like one of the first Samsung Unpacks where it was like not smartphone focused in the recent mm-hmm. years. It was all about laptops. Which is insane, honestly. Like, have you used Samsung's laptop lineup at all? So I've used their tablets a bit. I've never actually used a Samsung laptop in recent years. I think when I was like really young, I may have had one, but they've made a lot of strides in the last couple of years with them. Just to give everyone a quick breakdown, they launched the Galaxy Book Pro, the Galaxy Book Pro 360, a gaming laptop, and also a budget laptop. So tons of stuff. And I think, Darsh, like we should definitely talk about it. But also my first question for you is like, why do you think that they didn't launch like a brand new flagship smartphone? I don't necessarily know what the exact reason would be, but my speculation behind it, I just think that like Samsung has been basically putting all their eggs in one basket for a really long time. They've kind of been neglecting the rest of their products when it comes to the tech like mobile space. And I think that this is kind of their attempt to come back at it. Because if you think about it, they're bringing in these really, really cool looking and really high end laptops. Plus also they've essentially just refreshed their entire lineup of computers. No company just does that after a couple of years without actually having like a plan in mind. I think that Samsung is trying to diversify a lot more and get back to what they were. Cause I remember Samsung laptops. I used to see them everywhere whenever I'd be laptop shopping. Now I can only, I only know of the four that were just released today. So I think that they're trying to make like a nice big return to the laptop space because they've been pretty diversified when it comes to the phones, but maybe that's just me. Jack, what are your thoughts? I see what you're saying. Definitely with that. I think like Samsung's big focus this year and for the last couple of years has been like ecosystem. When we had Zhang Zhang on the podcast, she was talking about building the ecosystem with smart things. Apple is just getting more and more into the ecosystem with AirTag and all these other products that it makes sense that Samsung's trying to build the ecosystem too, where once you're like in, you don't really want to leave. Also, I think like it seems to me that Samsung is really focusing on foldables. Maybe they weren't ready to launch that and they're probably trying to wait a little bit. Like I could see Samsung really going all in on a foldable device and maybe not putting as much effort into the Note lineup and just having the S lineup be like the flagship lineup. Honestly, they could be switching over to a ton of different things, right? Like Samsung is so diversified. Like, yo, there's just literally Samsung everything at this point. Yeah, they have like refrigerators, washing machines. But to get back on topic a little bit, Darsh, you want to do like a quick spec breakdown maybe of the laptops and then we can kind of give our thoughts. All right. So today Samsung announced two new Galaxy Book devices, the Galaxy Book Pro and the Galaxy Book Pro 360. Those are both of the high end laptops that are now available, but there are also two other laptops they ended up introducing this year, one being the Galaxy Book Odyssey, which is a gaming laptop, as well as a budget Galaxy Book for more of the mainstream consumers. The thing about the Galaxy Book and Galaxy Book Pro where they're essentially modeled and made to compete against Microsoft and Intel's Surface Book lineup, and is meant to more show Intel's latest current gen, lightweight, but very powerful 11th gen processors. In specific, within the Galaxy Book and Galaxy Book Pro, you can look at seeing Thunderbolt 4 implemented within it, as well as Wi-Fi 6E, and also a really, really thin design. Both the Galaxy Book Pro and the Pro 360 come in a 13 and a 15 inch form factor in gold, blue, and bronze. Personally, blue is my favorite, but I might just be a little biased because blue is my favorite color. They both have really good OLED displays or OLED displays with Samsung's low blue light technology as well. One of the cool thing about the Pro 360 is actually it's S Pen stylus support, which is kind of cool because if you think about it, Samsung's been putting a lot more emphasis on the S Pen as of late. 
not even just within the realm of smartphones, but mm-hmm. also within the tablets and now to the computers, which kind of starts making me question, like, where is Samsung going with this? I don't know if you remember, they used to have a, I think it was a Galaxy Book tablet or something like that. I remember I played with it for a bit a couple of years ago and it was actually cool. It was like a two-in-one with the keyboard case that you had like the snappable, attachable keyboard and you could use it with Windows, like full Windows. It wasn't a Tab S6 or Tab S7 or anything. It was like its own Galaxy book. I thought it was really cool. So seeing this with the S Pen kind of brings back old vibes of that, that maybe that's just me. It also has a live wallpaper that changes at the time at the different times of the day, kind of like Mac OS, really cool. You also have a huge battery with 16 hours of work time and claimed eight hours on the 30 minute charge, which comes with the new processor as well as looking at a 720p webcam and the Pro 360 support for 5G. So the Galaxy Book and the Galaxy Book Pro, from what I've just seen and from what I've read so far, seem like they're pretty good devices and they're gonna be packing a punch, but we'll only know for sure whenever we get our hands on them. But Jacqueline, just looking at just the Galaxy Book Pro and the Pro 360, what are your thoughts on these devices? Like design, general, everything. They look really good. They look nice, right? They look really good. The display looks really good. They come with the S Pen in box, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. There's no place to actually put it. Like there's no chassis for it, which means that you're just going to have to like keep track of it. The S Pen thing is just interesting to me because a lot of their devices now support the S Pen. Yeah. And it's almost like a universal characteristic of the lineup. And I think it makes sense because like with Samsung Dex and like kind of moving to your phone being able to dock with your computer, it makes sense to have an accessory that can work with both really well. So I'm stoked about that. The one thing that we really don't know yet is battery life. With reading their reviews, they can test out a lot of other things, but they haven't had enough hands-on time to know battery yet. Mm -hmm. Build looks really clean. Like it's nothing special from the outside, but it looks nice. It has aluminum on the outside. And then obviously it has like the typical ports, headphone jack, etc. The big thing is going to be the battery because some of the Samsung devices in the past have not had the best battery life. So that's really going to be the thing that we want to test. Obviously the chassis or the hinge design is really cool with like the kickback. Mm-hmm. And the displays are glossy, which I think is important to note because some people hate glossy displays because it has a lot more reflections. Very, very fair. Especially for people working more in like industry, people who kind of keep their laptop and they use it all day by like a window or something. I can only imagine the need for a matte display. But something I'm actually really curious to learn more about when it comes to these computers is the speakers. So all four of the computers that were announced today have Dolby Atmos speakers with the audio engineered by AKG, which is just Samsung's essentially just their brand now when it comes to speakers. But when it comes to these computers themselves, they look oddly familiar and look kind of similar to a lot of the other computers in the market, AKA the Microsoft Surface Book and the MacBook Pro and MacBook Air. So what has me concerned or confused at least is how these speakers are going to kind of keep up with or compete with their competitors because Apple has now kind of made a standing for themselves with amazing speakers and amazing microphones in their computers. And it's been a huge focus of them for the past couple of years, at least the last two. Microsoft, I am not so sure about, but when it comes to Samsung, I'd be curious to see because the AKG headphones we used to get in the box were really good. The speakers on the Samsung phones weren't that bad. I, d- I didn't mind them. I thought they were actually pretty decent. So I'd be really curious to see how these computers do because with a 15 inch AMOLED display, this is, these are some of the first computers, I believe, first Windows computers with an AMOLED display. And that's pretty awesome. So I can only imagine if the screen quality is going to be that awesome. I want to see how the audio quality is as well. Yeah, time will tell, I guess. This is a very different impact, but still an exciting one. And it really, I think, just shows again Samsung's devotion to excelling in multiple niches and creating an ecosystem of products. So fingers crossed that they are dope. Fingers crossed that we get to test them and kind of see what's going on with them. I want to know what everyone thinks about them. So definitely let us know on Twitter if you're down. And also, Darsh, I think this is a perfect time to mention it. Darsh and I have been doing Twitter spaces lately. We did one last week and we're doing one today on the day that we're recording this. And 
we're we're playing around with this. Like we want to maybe do part of the show live. So we're actually going to talk more about the Samsung Unpacked news in that Twitter spaces. At this point, when you're listening to this, you'll have missed it. <laughs> That's just more reason to follow us on Twitter because we do post when we're about to go live. It's going to be dope, guys. Really check it out. I think today's one's going to be a lot of fun. And last week's, our first hour Twitter spaces was a ton, a ton of fun. Thank you everyone who did dro- drop in for that. So definitely go check us out on Twitter at Digital Dipod and check in every Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere around then. That's usually when I'm going to be trying to run these spaces, but we'll keep you guys posted on more timing and arrangements like that as time progressed. Once Starch and I figure out like a format and stuff and like if we're going to proceed with this, then we'll have a consistent time. So kind of just like hang with us. We're going to be trying out a bunch of different things, getting your feedback. And then once we have like a format, if we decide to pursue Twitter spaces, there will be like a time so you know when to show up. Exactly. When it comes to Galaxy devices, guys, these Galaxy books look fantastic. I'm super excited to check more out about the Galaxy Book Odyssey, the gaming laptop. I think that one would be really interesting, especially in quarantine when everyone has gotten a lot more accustomed to gaming and trying to keep themselves busy. Definitely let me know what you guys think on Twitter. Tweet us, let us know what you guys are thinking about these computers. I'm personally a huge fan of the blue color. What are you guys a fan of? But I think that's actually a really cool transition for us because we can kind of switch back to Apple. I know we talk a lot about Apple in the past couple of weeks, but this one's actually a really interesting story. So an Apple executive, Eddie Q, essentially was quoted in the Epic Games lawsuit as being someone advocating for iMessage to move over to Android. And this was all the way back in 2013. This is eight years ago. So Jacqueline, did you actually hear about any of this stuff with the Epic Games lawsuit? Yeah, so quick disclaimer for Darsh and I, legal disclaimer. These are just our opinions. None of these things are facts. We are not trying to defame a brand, whatever. So the lawsuit is an antitrust lawsuit. Epic is saying that Apple is being like, they have a monopoly and they're purposely creating an environment in where other businesses can't thrive. And one of the main parallels that they're now drawing is this guy, Eddie Q, was advocating to move iMessage over to Android. And iMessage is like a core feature of iPhones. It's literally one of the main features that people point to when they're like, this is why I won't switch. I've actually been taken out of group chats when I'm on an Android phone a lot of the time. Like people are hardcore about the blue bubble thing. Oh, 100%. Right? So he is basically says, I want to have a whole team to develop iMessage on Android and the higher ups at the company say no and that they would be afraid that then people would switch from iPhone. Yeah. So they were essentially saying that it would hurt Apple more than it would hurt. It would hurt Apple more than it would help them. Say yes, hurt them more than they can help them. Wow. My words today are not working very well either. Dude, we're just not at the top of our (laughs) game, which only means it's going to be a disaster for Luke. So, so sorry, Luke, our incredible editor. Okay. Well, I, I have, I have a reason I've been unpacking all day. I'm exhausted. And I was going to go down for my second cup of coffee today. I'm not drinking espresso. I'm on an espresso cleanse for four months. Why? Four months? I, I'm, I'm back home for the summer. I'm done the semester. So I moved home and I decided I want to do a little bit of an espresso cleanse because I was like, espresso is very strong. It's very potent. So I left my machine at school and I'm going to go back and use it again when the school year starts when I actually need the caffeine. For now, I'm going to go back down. I want to go back to one, maybe two coffees a day versus two or three double shots of espresso a day. Wow. Dude, you don't, you're not even yourself anymore. Espresso is like your brand. Espresso is, is something I love and I will continue to drink it. But I mean, it is the summertime and I do fancy a nice cold brew every now and then. So I do have to ma- maintain both my relationships. I have a relationship with both. <laughs> One's a little toxic right now. So I'm going to take a break from one and I'm going to go back to the other for a little bit. Yeah. Dude, oh my God. I fully stand by you. But yeah, so basically this is getting brought into this lawsuit and we've actually talked about the Epic lawsuit on this podcast numerous times. Just to give everyone like a quick refresh mm-hmm. is that Apple takes a percentage, like a cut of 
subscriptions or in-app purchases because they are facilitating, in their opinion, I think, the connection and like the environment in which Fortnite could be on a phone and be sold. But the apps, the Apple App Store is the only app store that you can use on iOS. So some people argue that that is not a good practice and that that hurts and doesn't create a good business environment to thrive if you're not Apple. Mm -hmm. The thing with the iMessage thing is like, it's a tough scenario. I kind of think that they don't have to bring it to Android. Why should they have to develop a service for a competing operating system? In my opinion, it doesn't make sense that they would have to do that or that it's antitrust for them not to do that. But obviously I'm not like a lawyer or well-versed in this. So I could be missing something, but definitely also crazy that a lot of this took place over email. You'd think that something that could be like incriminating like this would not be over email. That, that's the thing. Ultimately, the entire antitrust lawsuit, from my understanding of it, is that they're trying to show that, like you just said, that Apple has a monopoly on the market and they have a monopoly on the services that they offer and there's no one regulating them. And that's kind of the issue, right? So when it comes to iMessage, they're bringing up the example of like, we should bring iMessage to Android because it would really help make it an industry standard and it would literally make it the best messaging app for the industry. Similar to actually, apparently, a conversation that Steve Jobs initially pledged for with FaceTime. When FaceTime first came out, he wanted it to be the open standard for video calling, which I think is actually insane because even without switching over to Android for FaceTime and for iMessage, they both did become very, very large platforms that have become so, there's just a certain level of like, I don't want to say clout because I feel like clout's the wrong word for it. No, it kind of is. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's like, okay, I have an iPhone. So therefore I stand out as having a blue bubble on my text messages and I'm cool like that. Like, I don't fully understand why that's the craze or like why that's the setup for it, but whatever works, right? There are a billion devices in the Find My Network, which is crazy. And a lot of these services are really, really well developed because Apple has a really good sense of what works with software and they have an incredible engineering staff. Mm -hmm. That's that's part of the reason why people buy iPhone. And that's part of the reason why Apple is thought to be like the standard. I know some Android users that are listening to this like, Jacqueline, what are you talking about? I love both operating systems. But what I'm saying is like, if that's your competitive advantage, if our competitive advantage as a podcast arch was like some special way that we edited, I don't think we would have to share that with everyone to give everyone an equal opportunity. I know it's different, but that you can draw a parallel there of like, iMessage is Apple's secret sauce. And they obviously thought that it would devalue their products if it was available on multiple operating systems. The other thing is like Apple keeps like one app store on iPhone and other things like that. They keep like only certain devices in the Find My Network because then they can control it. Once other people start getting involved, other developers, their customers and their brand image is at a lot more of a risk because anything can happen. They regulate things so heavily that it kind of creates a walled garden, but it also creates the sense of like their privacy is so much better than a lot of other companies. And privacy is definitely a core initiative for Apple. I just worked on a video with Luke actually for my brand new series Tech Explained where mm -hmm. we were talking about the thing between Apple and Facebook. Apple put their foot down with iOS 14.5 and they're like, you cannot track users outside of the applications. They have a right to say no to that. And Facebook is like, that's a huge part of our business model for trackable advertisements. We make $86 billion a year, right? So there's this conflict here, but Apple is like launching this whole thing about like, we care about privacy. We think that privacy is a right. And that's one of the reasons why people buy Apple. I think another main reason why people buy Apple is the software and the ecosystem. And if those are your only main two competitive advantages, then you probably want to hold your cards really close because as a company, you want to stay alive. You're right. And that, that's the thing too, right? Like looking at the entire Facebook, Apple thing, like personally, I don't really know where I sit with it. I'm a little iffy with it. Cause I feel like it's, it's, I see both sides of it. I see it as yes. Like we need privacy. Privacy is a huge thing that we should not just be easily given out. Like we shouldn't have people's information spread to everyone. But I understand where Facebook coming from. Facebook's like, oh yeah, we've been doing this for years. Like why are you gonna come out on 
nowhere and just kind of dropped this on us until I was like, no, you can't do it anymore. Like, this is how we make all of our money now. But then there's also on Apple's side where they're like, we don't approve of this. Like, this isn't a proper thing. And that brings up the entire thing again of how Apple runs a monopoly on their marketplace. Their marketplace is not regulated by any governing body. Rather, it's just Apple. I feel like that is something that like we're kind of headed towards in the future. And I'd actually love to hear everyone else's thoughts on this too. Like, where where do you think technology is going? Do you think the internet's going to start being governed more like app stores or different marketplaces like that? Do you think that iOS will eventually be, I feel like this is very far down the line, but do you think that Apple's going to have to open up the app store or they're going to have to let other companies make marketplaces for iOS devices? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Let us know. I think actually this brings us into the other topic that we want to talk about before we take our coffee break. Apple just launched podcast description service, which we talked about last week. The podcast space is really heating up. A lot of companies are getting really involved. Spotify gave like Joe Rogan $100 million reportedly to be exclusive to the platform. Other companies are getting involved and paying hundreds of millions of dollars to get involved. There's a a ton of money here in audio programming. Clubhouse is huge. Twitter spaces, right? So every company is gunning to be like the company that you think of when you think of podcasting. Apple Podcasts is kind of the standard for a while because they were one of the first players and Spotify is trying to get into the space. So Apple Podcast descriptions come out last week announced and they basically say that they are going to take a certain cut from any of the payments. Spotify just comes out this week with a very similar feature set but they're not going to take a cut from the podcasters, which is a competitive advantage, right? So interesting situation. I think at the end of the day, like it kind of sucks that you have to run the subscription through a Spotify or a podcast because like, let's say hypothetically that the digital dive was going to do on, we have to decide like, do we offer this on Apple, on Spotify? Do we do it on both? And then people subscribe and there's different benefits. Like it's not offered through your podcast host, like your RSS feed. Mm -hmm. So it kind of becomes like platform specific, even though podcasts are not platform specific. Yeah. Like it's really weird. Like, so Apple, for example, is going to charge with their new subscription service. They're going to take 15 to 30% of the revenue versus now Spotify, who's now promised for the first two years, they will not be taking anything from the creators. And then in 2023, they'll begin by taking a 5% cut versus the 15 to 30, which is a significant decrease, as well as giving the option for podcasters to choose from different pricing options. So it's not just choose whatever you want. It's not going to be completely absurd. It's either $3, $5, or $8, which personally, in my opinion, I think is actually really, really good. Maybe this is just me, but I think that's awesome. It sounds really interesting. The reason why a lot of these companies are taking a cut is because like they're facilitating the technology to offer subscriptions to your audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there are also a lot of other platforms that don't charge you. That said, like when I get a super chat on YouTube, they take a cut. Other paid service platforms often take a cut. I think probably Fiverr does as well. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like the cost of doing business type thing. But people are upset that there is such a big difference between Apple and Spotify. And it's also just as a podcaster, it's tough because a lot of people use Apple Podcasts and it seems like getting a five star on Apple Podcasts is a huge role in how you rank and how you get more people. If you were to launch a subscription service do you just launch on both and you offer the same thing and then wherever your viewers listen because then your viewers have to use spotify or apple you're kind of like almost like dividing your audience a little bit okay i kind of think of it like this like look at streaming services so it's kind of like okay netflix came up and then right after amazon prime showed up and then we have hulu we have all these different platforms but then now they're saying like okay cool so like if you want to offer exclusive stuff you can only offer exclusive stuff on netflix and disney you can't do it anywhere else and they're saying just choose it's a little scummy it's it's a little like now that this has started with spotify now following Apple's suit, they're probably going to have more platforms that do host podcasts and they're basically going to say the exact same thing. They're going to say, okay, start doing the subscription services, which I think is the future, but I don't know how I necessarily feel about like Spotify doing it versus like a hosting service. I feel like that should be a hosting services job, like you were saying earlier. Podcasts are so decentralized already. We're basically, for anyone that doesn't know, because I didn't know how it worked, you 
pay someone or a company, in this example, let's use Anchor, you would pay a certain amount of money every single month and they host your podcast. They are the ones that distribute it. So you publish it to Anchor and then Anchor pushes it out to Spotify. It pushes it out to Apple Podcast. It pushes it out to Pandora, all these other sites. Once it does that, you can get your main analytics through Anchor, but then you could also go to applepodcast.com and like get your analytics through there. It's very decentralized. It's much harder than running a YouTube channel where all your analytics are in one spot, your audience is on one platform. You're really reaching a lot of different audiences, Mm -hmm. which means it harder to make educated business decisions and harder to sell advertisements and things like that. It's weird to me to take such a decentralized thing where your audience is split across so many different platforms and then only offer subscription on one. And I don't know how feasible it is for the RSS feed, like Anchor, the host, to give you the ability to offer subscriptions because they probably would then have to work with every single platform. It would be really difficult, but it's just a weird thing where like your audience is so split up among the apps and then you only offer paid content on some. We're kind of going to have to see what plays out for sure. Well, I mean, also with this, what's actually kind of interesting is the fact that, so you're right, it, so it's Anchor, right? Like Anchor is the back end of it all. Thinking of the fact that Anchor is the back end, Anchor is now owned by Spotify, I believe. Do you think Anchor is eventually just going to basically cut ties with all the other platforms? Are they basically going to be a Spotify only like portable to help facilitate getting podcasts onto Spotify? Because I see that that's kind of where this is going because you're right. Like Anchor can't effectively create a payroll for every single different platform. They can only do it for the platforms that are affiliated with aka Spotify. So this would be really cool to see. And like, it's also really cool because apparently you can actually toggle the subscription on or off for different episodes in Spotify. Like because you're using Anchor as the back end, you can pretty much upload an episode and be like, okay, this is going to be a subscription only episode. And you could do that too on Apple Podcasts. Which is so, it's putting so many different things everywhere. I feel like this is going to be so confusing for so many different podcasters. I honestly don't even know what to expect. Yeah, dude, like let's say that you offer a subscription and every single month you do a special episode. You could offer, if it's legal, a subscription on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and just upload the same thing to both as a subscription episode. But it just makes it a little harder to like reach your subscription audience if it's split across platforms and it's just an extra step. We shall see. Maybe some will come in here and make it all like unified. Podcasts are already so decentralized that I'm not surprised it's going down this way because I bet that the technology is really hard to facilitate a universal subscription that works on every platform. Mm -hmm. And then what if Apple wants to take a cut of 15% but then Spotify takes a lesser cut? It's probably a nightmare for the hosting site. So I understand why it's happening this way. We'll just have to kind of see what goes down. I am running on fumes here, Josh. I need another coffee. So we're going to head to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about autopilot stuff with Tesla. And we're also going to talk about some stuff that we like this week. See you soon. All right, Darsh. So Tesla, a new thing just came out this week. And under no circumstances should anyone try this consumer report says, but someone was driving a Tesla without anyone in the car. Okay. So someone was in the car, but it was basically based after a, there was a fatal crash as an aftermath of supposedly using Tesla's autopilot in Texas and said there was no one behind the steering wheel and it was an advanced driver assist system. So it was in a autopilot type mode. Now this is based off of a very tricky and unsafe. I'm going to say this again, unsafe idea. So basically someone got a weighted chain and got some like, I believe they're like different tapes, like masking tape and some scotch tape and pretty much tied it around the steering wheel of a Tesla on an open track. Yeah, they used like a rope. It was like a weighted rope. So it felt like there was still a hand on the wheel. Someone sat in the passenger seat and someone sat in the back seat and recorded the Tesla in autopilot as it went around a track at 30 miles per hour. I'm watching this video right now and like my feet 
Like, I literally am feeling it. Like, I would never do this. It's so scary. Like, it's literally them setting up autopilot, and then while the car's moving, literally just chilling in the passenger seat. Dude, my stomach feels like it's going to drop just, like, watching this. Like Exactly. So, for this, this is a track that the Consumer Report actually used to do it. So, Consumer Report actually were the ones who did this experiment. They basically painted on lanes, and Elon Musk has always claimed that autopilot needs someone there in order to operate. And he said that the two people who were actually, unfortunately, passed away from the event in Texas were saying that the road did not have any painted lines. So it would show that there's more to be examined within this crash. There are a lot of different explanations and different... And autopilot's not perfect. Even best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Literally, autopilot isn't perfect. It has its issues. Autopilot has issues. Someone sat in the passenger seat without actually driving and tried doing this kind of test in a road with no lanes or no visible lanes or painted lines. So there's also some speculation about a crash model with the crash model S that the autopilot was actually not enabled. There's a lot of risky stuff with this, but what I actually wanted to talk about and focus more on was the fact that someone was able to trick a Tesla autopilot system. And what does this mean for Tesla's autopilot, I guess, certification or the legality of using it on the main road? Because I know in Ontario, I believe it's still not legal. You can't use full autopilot in Ontario yet. Oh, interesting. But I know in, the, in many states in the US, you, you can fully use autopilot on the road. This has me questioning, like, would you trust the Tesla to do autopilot? Like after this crash, would you be a little bit more skeptical? Were you already skeptical? Like, this is more of a conversation I kind of wanted to invoke with you guys, our listeners. I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I know Jacqueline and I have been trying a lot lately to really just interact with everyone listening. So everyone listening, hi, how are you guys doing? Hope you guys are enjoying the Monday, getting a good start to the week. Breaking the fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. Literally, yeah. Like, let us know what you guys think about this entire quick story. Like, do you trust Tesla's autopilot? Did you ever trust Tesla's autopilot? Have you ever been in it? What's your experience? How is that all going? And would you do that? Like, would you sit in the passenger seat while autopilot was on and just watch it go? I mean, it's a crazy thing. Like personally, obviously everyone knows like I'm young, I'm turning 20 this year. So I've only been driving for four years, maybe. I'm probably not uh, remembering correctly, but like four or five years, right? I'm a, I guess like still like technically a new driver. And when I was learning to drive, obviously like I learned in just a regular car, no autopilot and stuff. And I think it's really important for everyone that drives a Tesla, even with autopilot, to know how to drive. I remember seeing people on Twitter being like, oh, I'm going to get this for my kids so they can like have them like dropped off at dance practice or whatever. They could drive it, but like the car would do it. That's not good. I, I feel like you have to be like a really, really good driver because you have to be ready to like take over at any second with the Tesla autopilot. Like I have a friend that has a Tesla. They use autopilot sometimes. Whichever state they're in, it's legal. They have to always stay there and just be cognizant of it because it is a computer. It's not perfect. And even like humans, obviously there's so many car crashes. So humans aren't perfect either, but I think like it's easier for me to trust myself than trust a computer because you just never know there's going to be like a weird glitch. Mm -hmm. But then also I've seen Tesla's like literally save people's lives. I remember Brandon Havard made a video where like his Tesla saved his life. Really? Yeah. Someone like, like almost like sideswiped him on a highway or something. And the Tesla was able to have a better response time than he could. And it like saved him. Wow. It's obviously incredible. It always gets a pretty good safety rating. I feel like, but I don't think it's time to just be like, Oh, like let's give it to the computer. I think you have to like be aware, kind of like be staying in the seat so you can take over at any second. No, that, that's exactly it. Like it's literally that it's in life. Like you have to understand if you're going to drive a motor vehicle, you have to be cognizant and you have to be fully coherent on the road. You can't trust the computer to just do everything for you. As much as I want to say that we live in an age where I can jump into a pod and it'll drive me to wherever I need to go. That's not what it is. That's not, that's not how life is right now. And we can't expect, expect it to be like that. That's why seeing stuff like this is kind of scary. Cause it's like, you could never know Like you could have a Tesla just zoom by you on the highway. And I guess like you wouldn't know if there was someone in the, in the driver 
driver's seat or not. That, that's, that's a bit scary to me, but it's also freakishly cool. Yeah. It's, it's like both. It's, it's both ends of it. It's like, okay, we've hit a point where literally like you can trick a car to drive itself. And on this track, it was fine. And you shouldn't. You should not do like. this. Again, please do not do this. <laughs> please do not do this. I am not saying to do this at all, but I'm saying it, it's like dystopian future kind of cool. It's crazy. Yeah. And also like, we're not here yet again. <laughs> Disclaimer. Eventually, I know they've been trying it out with like Uber drivers and stuff. It's not actually a driver and the car's just doing it. And obviously, I think that that is really cool too. Of course, my mind immediately goes to like, can someone hack the car and like bring you to destination you don't want to go? <laughs> yeah. Because I think like that. But it's really cool because obviously some people are attacked in Ubers and there are temporal things that happen to people in Ubers and taxis in general. So it's really cool to think that like you could have a car take you somewhere without a driver. Yeah. And obviously like during COVID too, that's cool because you're not exposed to someone. It's exciting, but I also think that we're not there yet. And if we try to act like we are, there are unfortunately going to be really bad accidents. It's disheartening to see like certain people like try to like game the system, whether it be like not even this particular case, but just in general, like with Tesla's people are always like trying stuff and the safety precautions are there for a reason. Again, no one do this. I just thought it was a cool story. I didn't want to bring up because the idea of sitting in a passenger seat while your car drives itself is so freaking sick. It's really, really cool. But do not do that. We are not at that point yet. That is not where we need to go with this. But what we do need to go with this is onto a lighter note and talk about some stuff that we did like this week. Ooh, yes. So down for this. What are some stuff that you did like this week? What, what's been up with your week? You find any cool content? You find any cool stories? Tell us what's going on. Dude, I'm obsessed with Colin and Samir. We had them on the podcast. They were what, our second guest, third mm-hmm. guest, maybe? I think second or third. We had Addison, TMS, and then we had Colin and Samir. But speaking of guys, if you guys haven't heard those episodes, go check out those episodes. They're old episodes, but they're oldies and they're goodies. Go check them out. Yeah, Colin and Samir came on the podcast and I've actually known them for like a few years. So I've kind of watched their content evolution where they started out as kind of just like vloggers and storytellers and they have a really good knack for storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I love their videos. They started a show like many years ago called The Breakdown and it was basically breaking down internet culture. So they would break down why Apple purposely designs products to be memeable. And then the next week they would break down why MKBHD is doing so well on the platform. And then the next week they would break down why influencers are able to get people to vote. Their content was all about these internet things, but very not niche. They actually told Darsh and I the story like a year ago, they almost quit YouTube and went to jobs because they could not figure out a way to grow their audience and become profitable. And they found their format. And it's like, so I'm kind of going through that right now on the channel of like, what do I want to do? What works for me? What does my audience like? And all these questions are so hard to answer and they're so specific. Like I couldn't go to you, Darsh, and be like, here's what you should do on your channel. In the same way that no one could really do that for me because it's a weird thing where it's not like a business. It's like an extension of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not like you could have like someone like consult for, like if someone went to Apple, they could probably tell them what to do a little bit better than you could tell a creator because everything is so individualistic and it's based on your personality. That's all to say, it took them many years, but they finally figured out their format and they've been doing something called the Colin and Samir Show which is different than The Breakdown. And it's like almost like a podcast. It is a podcast, but it's edited like a YouTube video. So there's tons of animations and graphics and quick cuts and interviews. And it's been incredible to watch and they're killing it. I mean, now they just hit like 230K. Wow. Yeah. I remember when we got them on, I think they were at like maybe 150, 140. Yeah. They've been just exponentially just rocking as of late. Colin, if you guys are listening to this, great job, guys. You guys are absolutely killing it and crushing it on the platform right now. Yeah. So that's that's my first one. Everyone should definitely check them out. I learned something every single day and they have a really unique ability to make you excited about the creator economy. Oh, 100%. I always leave their episodes like feeling excited and ready to put in the work, like inspired. And that's like just a great example of transformational storytelling. So that's my first one for this week. Wow, that was absolutely incredible. I don't really know how I'm going to follow that, but my following one wasn't, it's not as exciting. It's a, it's a little more uh, mundane. Go for it. My stuff I liked this week, it was actually something that happened today. I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, if you guys don't at Dark Glenny. When I was moving back in, moving back home, I was trying to reset up all my Philips Hue lights and I have a lot of them. And I, I it's one of the things that I'm very, 
very happy with because it just it brings a lot of design elements to my room wherever I end up moving. It just it's, it's nice, it's comforting. Anyway, I was trying to connect something, and this isn't the first time where I've had to reach out to Philips Hue tech support on Twitter. That is something I appreciate and something I'm, I'm adding to stuff I like this week. I know it's not necessarily tech or content or anything. That social media account is so quick, so informative, and so helpful that just genuinely kudos to you guys at Philips Hue. You guys are absolutely crushed. You guys figured out my issue in literally two minutes. I Googled the internet for a solid 12 hours trying to figure out how to fix this. I didn't want to reach out to tech support because I was like, I can figure this out. Literally within like 10 minutes of me just tweeting them, like maybe four or five tweets, solved. Easy. Everything's set up. My room looks gorgeous right now. I'm very happy with it. Video coming soon. It's always so good to hear like when a company is good tech support. It's oh, genuinely, it, it's something, it's refreshing, I feel like. Because I feel like there's a lot of companies where they're not bad tech support, but it's not necessarily like standing in your face. It's not very like amazing. But this, like they did a really, really good job with and I'm, I'm very, very happy with how it turns out. That's dope. That's actually a really good one, dude. Thank you. I got to give a plug to Luke, who is the incredible editor of this podcast, good friend of ours. We've talked about him a lot in this episode. We're co-producing a new series called Tech Explained Together on my YouTube channel. He's so incredible. Like his animations were just really, really good. It added so much to the video. If you want to check out the video for anyone listening, don't check it out for my sake. I literally just want you to check it out to see how cool the animations are because like I wrote down a lot of ideas on paper and then like, I don't even know how he did some of the stuff and it just came alive in a whole new way. And I was mind blown when I was downloading the footage. So highly recommend checking that out. 100%. I, I actually definitely will. I saw your video actually and it was, it was really, really good. I don't necessarily like, I, I thought Tech Understood was such a nice name. I was like, how does no one come up with a series like this? That's like one of those things that I was just like, like how, like this was a staring me in the face. I'm like, how has no one come up with this? The moment you did, I was just, I was, you guys killed it. You guys crushed it. Thank you. It's actually Tech Explained. Tech Explained. If I said Tech Understood, that's totally my fault. That might have been me mis mishearing you. Dude, I think maybe why is because we still work at a company called Tech Understood. This is very true. I, I don't know why I thought of that. It was like what that was. Yeah. Really, really cool video. Go check it out, guys. It was incredible. Thank you. Something I actually had for stuff we liked this week. It's, it hasn't come out yet, so I, I can't tell you what it's called, but I was working with a buddy of mine who's starting to create music, and I was doing a music video for him this week. First off, music video, going to turn out great. You guys are going to love it. I, I know you guys are absolutely going to be floored by. I know you guys got my back whenever that comes out, but the music itself, his music has progressed so much from where it started, where I met him in first year to now. So Seb, I know you listen to these, these podcasts. He listens literally every week. Seb, I want to give you a shout out right now. Go on Spotify, go on Alpha Music, everyone listening, go follow Seb the GM. Listen to what he has now and listen for what's about to come because he's got some incredible, incredible music coming out in the next couple of months. And I, I just can't recommend it enough. Dude, that's awesome that he listens to the pod. Yeah, he's left it a five-star review and everything. He oh, he, no he loves the pod. See, that's the, thing, but that's, that's the thing with everyone else listening too. You guys gotta leave a five-star review because it really helps us, but also lets us know what you guys are liking, what you guys aren't. So maybe not a full five-star review if you guys aren't loving it, but if you are loving it, drop a five-star. If you're not loving it, tell us us why we read all of them guys It'd be absolutely incredible to hear from you and on that note i think we will wrap up this episode thank you guys so much for listening to it huge shout out to adil constantine for our incredible intro and natural music you're about to hear it again if you missed it on the intro huge shout out to luke also our incredible editor that i was literally just talking about and friend check out any of his socials to see what else he works on thank you all for listening so much really really appreciate you exactly thank you guys so much for listening guys and make sure again to check out our twitter at digital dipod we're going to be doing twitter spaces on there and jacqueline's account i think we're going to start doing this maybe weekly we don't know yet but for the time being just join in come enjoy it with us come hang out with us it'll be a lot of fun thanks so much have an awesome monday guys have an awesome monday have a good week guys bye bye